The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to you, friend. So glad that you've joined us for this Grace in Focus podcast broadcast. Today, Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates are dealing with election and predestination. Are they the same thing? One is mentioned in 1 Peter 1 and one in Romans 8. What does the Bible say and mean about these words? What does serving and suffering have to do with these two words? It's always an interesting discussion when you talk about these things, and today is going to be no exception, so stay tuned. They'll begin in a minute after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. We invite you to go there and go there often and find resources that deal with things that you might be wanting to learn about or you might be struggling with. Lots of great articles and blogs and videos. And our magazine, Grace in Focus, which has a free subscription. So take advantage of that. Also, our national conference is coming up this May 2023, May the 22nd through the 25th. Please be sure to find out more about it and get registered and come on and join us. We'd love to have you. You'll find information about it on our website at faithalone.org. All right, gentlemen, what about election and predestination? I'm Ken Yates, and I'm here with Bob Wilkin. And Bob, we have a great question here. Matter of fact, my daughter Catherine asked me basically this question that we're being asked by Nathan here. And he's talking about the election that is mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verses 1 and 2. Now, the New King James Version reads like this. To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Nathan asks, are we to understand this election here? Do we understand it the same way as the predestination of Romans 8.29, where Paul is talking about suffering and reigning with Christ? Okay, well, you know, we've kind of had one problem passage explaining another problem passage because <laughs> Romans eight twenty eight to 30 is often understood as this golden chain, according to Calvinists, which I don't think it is. And first Peter one, one is often understood to say that these were elect people. That is, they were people God had elected unto everlasting life. And there's some sort of election to Salvation, Right. And that's the way the Calvinist is going to understand Romans 8 as well, right? Right. That God chooses who goes to the kingdom and who doesn't. So I would take both of them differently. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.1. In the Greek, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the very next word is electois and then paradidemois. That is to the elect pilgrims or to the elect sojourners. And then it states the places they were sojourners. They're sojourners of the dispersion of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Then, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, I think the reason the New King James in many translations move the word elect to the beginning of verse 2 is because they understand the phrase, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to refer back to the election, even though the most recent reference would have been elect sojourners, the elect pilgrims. 
not to election. And when they separate it like that, it looks like this word, the elect, takes on some special meaning. And it's really just that God chose them to be sojourners. And how does that relate to the foreknowledge? It's hard to say, but I think in God's foreknowledge, he knew this was going to be the case, that they were going to be dispersed. Nathan is basically, I think, tying it in with verse 4, which Nathan understands the inheritance to be ruling with Christ, which I would agree, and he sees suffering as the path to ruling with Christ. And so I think what Nathan is suggesting is that God, in his foreknowledge, chose these believers to suffer for Christ that they might obtain this inheritance. It's not guaranteed But in his foreknowledge, he knew that they would suffer for Christ with the desired aim that they would inherit the right to rule with Christ. Would it be incorrect to word this maybe a little bit differently and say that God foreknew that those who suffer with Christ would reign with Christ? Well, that's certainly true. And I think that is the point in Romans 8, 17 through 39 it's all about that, especially Romans eight seventeen, and we're co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may be glorified together with him. And I think that's the point in Romans eight twenty eight to 30. So I think that's in the background here. But whether he's saying he foreknew that if they did this, then this would occur. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the main point is that he foreknew that in the first century, there were going to be Jewish people who were dispersed and displaced. For their faith. Right. Was part of that that because he wished for them to be witnesses wherever they went? Absolutely. And was that so that they might become co-heirs with Christ? Absolutely. So, yes, I would say that's in there. But I think the primary aspect of the foreknowledge is God simply knew in advance that Jewish people were going to be dispersed around the Roman Empire. And this was going to be a good thing. This was going to be a way God used to spread the saving message. And would we say then that in God's eternal plan, his son would suffer, and then therefore in the world to come, in the kingdom of God, those are going to be the cadre. I think this is using G.H. Lang's. So in his foreknowledge, these Jewish believers in this case would follow in the steps of his son, suffer, and would rule in this coming kingdom. Uh, that's a good point. And, you know, suffering is not a real popular preaching topic in America today, is it? We rarely hear sermons about what a blessing it is to suffer for Christ. What an opportunity it is when we get an opportunity to suffer for Christ. This is a good thing. But this is a theme all through the New Testament, that if we are going to be faithful to him, then we will suffer tribulation and persecution Because the world hates Jesus and the world hates his message. That is the world system. And so as a result, yes, I think that's an important theme. And I think it's there. Uh, Nathan brought this up in Romans 8, 29. In verse 29, for whom he foreknew, same, same thing, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I think the foreknowledge here is God knows in advance that those who suffer with his son and for his son are going to rule in the life to come. They're going to be co-heirs with Christ. That's Romans eight seventeen b And now we're just a few verses later. And he says that they might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
and firstborn has certain rights and privileges the other sons didn't have. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Now, some people say, well, look at all these aorist tenses, past tenses. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. And they say all of those except glorified are past accomplished events, but the glorification is future. I would say, no, these things are spoken of as though they've already occurred because in God's foreknowledge, he's looking back after people have overcome, after believers have been faithful in their life of service for Christ. They've run the race. They've finished the race. They've kept the faith. Well, couldn't we also say that Obviously, in both cases, he's not saying God chooses who goes to the kingdom and who who doesn't. Okay, It seems obvious to us. Right, (laughs) right. And that's the way it's so often taken. Right. But could we say, for example, in Romans 8, that God has pre-known that those who suffer with his son are going to be glorified with him. So it's a done deal. And he's predetermined that. Right. That's what predestination here right. is about. It's and the, that's why it's in past tense is what I right. mean. He's determined this. But it also means that when it says these he also justified is not referring to something that happened in the past. He will justify them at the judgment seat of Christ. That is, he will vindicate them. Right. They will be declared as having been faithful, righteous servants who suffered for Christ. And so all of these things, yes, he has invited them to rule and reign. He's called them. But the justification is yet future, and so is the glorification. Because in Romans eight seventeen and 18, it talks about the fact that we can be co-heirs with Christ. And then in 18, he says, For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worth to be compared to what? The glory, which is to be revealed, right. So it's glorification with Christ, and that's what's picked up again at the end of this. That's exactly where I was going there in verse 36. So often... Like you mentioned, Calvinist says, well, this is talking about everyone who's a, a true believer, everyone who was predestined for eternal life. But notice in verse 36, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Obviously, he's continuing the idea of suffering with the Lord. Right. 31 through 39 is all about suffering. Right. And it's not something that's true of every believer. It's only true of the believers who remain faithful. As we look at the parallels between 1 Peter, is even the word pilgrim implying this? All believers, in a sense, are displaced people. We're all, in a sense, aliens in this world, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. Our ultimate citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Right, and again, the the implication then is this is not our home. We shouldn't expect comfort or whatever it is. And so it shouldn't surprise us if we experience these these sufferings or these difficulties. Right. In fact, you remember when the apostles in Acts chapter 5 were beaten when they went to the temple and they were told by the Holy Spirit to go there and proclaim the message of this life, the life of everlasting life. And they went, they did it, and then they were re-arrested by the Jewish authorities and they were beaten. And when they went out, they rejoiced, they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And certainly when the believer who is faithful to the Lord suffers, he's following in his footsteps. Absolutely. As he suffered, we're supposed to suffer. Right. All right. And remember, keep grace in focus. Ken Yates' brand new book about his daughter entitled Elizabeth featured here earlier this month. 
is available now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through January 31st, 2023 when you use the code word podcast. That's faithalone.org. Our goal at the Grace Evangelical Society is to teach Scripture clearly and without confusion. One of the best tools for that clarity, we believe, is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our site, we have all kinds of materials that are designed to help you mature and grow in your faith and your understanding of Scripture. Please come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. You'll be glad you did. God loves a cheerful giver, and that's why we think our financial partners are some of the happiest people in the world. If you would like to learn how to become a financial partner with Grace and Focus, we would very much appreciate it. Learn more at faithalone.org. It's really exciting to hear from our listeners. So if you've got a question, comment, or feedback, I hope you'll reach out to us. Best way to do that is through email. Here is our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And next time and all next week on Grace in Focus, Catherine Wright and Ken Yates' father-daughter duo will be bringing us a short series on the Book of Romans, having to do with one or two of the concepts that are in that book. So please join us all next week. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.